Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everyone. Chuck Bonniewell, Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, two straight up. That's right. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, and also HappyTrees.co. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show World Headquarters, only upstairs, not downstairs, because we're having work done in the basement. Hey, we're glad to have- That guy's my great, great, great grandfather. That's right. We talked about that before. That's right. Um, we're we're going to have with us um, our, later on in the show, actually, some sound from Ron Hanks, who was at the Mike Lindell-sponsored election summit- In Missouri. In Missouri. Uh, but we're starting off with Mark Tapson. He's a Schulman Fellow on Popular Culture at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Had a great column in Front Page's magazine um, saying feminists fear and loathing of their own sons. Hey, Mark, thank you for your time and welcome to the show. Well, thanks to both of you for having me. So well, t- tell us tell us about uh, your, your uh, column. It was sparked by a Huffington Post column, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was my, my column was sparked by reading a column in HuffPost, uh, written by a self-declared feminist. And the title of it was, the title of her piece was, I took my 15-year-old son to see Barbie, the Barbie movie, because I'm worried he could become Ken. Uh, and the thrust of her article was that he is, like a lot of feminists, deeply concerned about, uh, the toxic masculinity of their male children. And uh, so in her case, she wanted to, she saw that the Barbie movie, this smash summer Barbie movie might be a great opportunity to take her son to see it with her to the theater. And uh, it would give him, uh, you know, uh, material to talk about in terms of raising him to be a feminist and to maybe exercising the toxic masculinity out of her son. And yeah. You know, it sounds a little like like satire or a parody, but uh, sadly, it was it was deadly serious. So I, you know, I, I wrote uh, a piece kind of dissecting her arguments and talking about uh, the the damage that she's doing and that a lot of feminist mothers are doing to their sons because they're they have a literal fear and loathing of their uh, their, their own son's masculine nature, which of course. Is considered toxic today. You know, masculine. You know, you don't ever hear about toxic femininity or anything uh, negative about uh, a female nature. But to- uh, male nature is considered toxic, and of course, this is a false construct. But uh, anyway, so my my article was basically uh, deconstructing and pushing back on her argument. Well, you know, I've, I've, as I was reading um, your article and you were quoting her article, I was thinking to myself, you know, we need to call child protection services wherever this woman lives <laughs> and, and send them to rescue this child. I mean, can you imagine you're a 15 year old boy? I was telling you, we have a 12 year old, right? And, you know, this puberty can be a confusing time for any kid, male or female. Yeah. You know, you've got all this going on. You've got peer pressure. You've got sports. You've got homework. You've got algebra. And now you've got 
got your whack job of a mother taking you to see movies like this and lecturing you. I mean, can you during the movie? During, during the movie, movie. See, see there, some right. for the patriarchy. Go well, Julie. Uh, in, in case you didn't know, she lives just down the road. Uh, she moved to Denver, Colorado, Obama. with her son, who's in now in Denver Public Schools. Oh. Um, so you wonder why who is who is moving to Denver these days? As it goes now, well, that's who's moving to Denver. <laughs> whack jobs like her. <laughs> Well, you know, she says in the article, and she tells her son this, you know, I mean, she inculcates her son with this kind of uh, feminist nonsense that that people are suffering today under the patriarchy in, in American society. Well, there's, there's, you know, American society is not a patriarchy. But in any case, she says people are suffering under it. But in fact, the people who are suffering are sons of feminist daughters who are being lectured and hectored by their moms like this in many cases about uh, their nature and that they need to become feminists and then they need to and that have their own nature uh, and their masculine qualities are toxic and lead to rape culture and they're oppressive and misogynistic. Well, these are terrible messages to be giving your son. You know, if you look on the internet and look up how to raise your, um, raise your daughters, you know, you'll find countless articles about empowering them and elevating them and lifting them up. Um, and you look for articles about raising sons, and mostly what you get is how to raise your son to be a feminist. Right. Uh, so the the, impl- the culture-wide implication here is well, that, uh, is that yeah, there's something the wrong that... with boys. There's yeah. something what, what wrong with that... boys and young men, and we need to sort of wring that out of them and change them to make sure that they don't turn up, you know, grow up to become rapists. It's just a terrible message. It's oppressive and abusive. So, you know, your yes. idea of maybe calling child protective services not too far off the mark. No, well, unfortunately, around here, child protective <laughs> services is about as abusive they get. Um, if you've been re- if some of the recent articles and about Jeff, yeah. Um, but but one of the things um, you know she harps on because I went back and read the article after reading your great analysis of it because I said, man, I, I got to read. It's going to be exaggerating. She can't be that. <laughs> of a mother <laughs> and and uh, she, she complains uh, that you know she has lost um control over reproductive rights right. uh, <laughs> and and of course you can you can abort in in colorado uh up to the time of birth if not just slightly after uh but another person pointed yeah. out you're 51 years old yeah. you know even if you could find a male who'd be willing to meet yeah. you, uh, <laughs> at 51 well you know and you're right that's a, a ridiculousness right you, in the column you quoted her as saying you know in, in a few years he's going to have more rights than i do because my reproductive rights have been destroyed in colorado which is a lie you know and so she's telling her son's yeah. lies like you said colorado has i think if not the least restrictive at least one of the least restrictive i, I don't see how you could be less right restrictive. somehow say that yeah. he has I mean, and you read this, and I got to admit, it's, it's as a mother of a son myself, it makes me angry. And as a mother of a daughter, it makes me angry because you're like, who is my poor daughter going to date? Right? <laughs> Some guy who, I mean, because these, no wonder these young men, I mean, they talk about the suicide rate and the depression rate among kids. And I think, and this it goes some of it straight to these whack job mothers who are rather than accepting their children right for who they are they have to try to twist them into what they think they should be and, and that's like you said that's abusive 
Yes, I, her embrace, her, you know, very willing embrace of her treasured victimhood status uh, is just a complete denial of reality. I mean, she likes to think that she lives in some sort of a handmade tale dystopia, you know, where uh, women are just treated like third or fourth class citizens. It's just, it's just insane. It's a complete rejection of reality. But, um, you know, there's a lot of cultural power to be had in claiming victim status. And so, uh, you know, feminists embrace that, and a lot of so-called marginalized groups embrace that victim status. Um, but, you know, to get well, back to great... something you said a moment ago, sorry, go ahead. One of the great things was the uh, her litany of, of virtue signaling. Oh. Well, you know, we went down to yes. the black school and, and handed out a dime or something. She had a whole litany of, yeah. of how <laughs> progressive she was and how she, she he, yeah. he had to learn and so forth. And what's so funny is that, you know, as I said, I went to the article and then I, I want to see all the comments because the Huff Post is about far left as you get. They all hated mm-hmm. her. The, even even the lefties hated her. They're, they're calling you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. I noticed that too, Chuck. Uh, I thought that was great, actually. That it seemed to me like the majority of the comments that I read uh, did find her to be pretty insufferable and, uh, and and abusive about her son. And so I thought that was a good sign. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what it says about post readers, but it you know, <laughs> it, it, I think it does say that a lot of people. You know, there's so many quote-unquote, normal people out there who just reject all this nonsense. But they're kind of the silent majority, you know? Um, uh, And so a lot of times if you read the comments section under articles, it can be really encouraging. Of course, it can be (laughs) discouraging too sometimes. But uh, sometimes you're surprisingly encouraged by the voices of the quote-unquote common people. Uh, So, yeah, I was encouraged by that. Um, But, you know, and I, I didn't pick on just this woman just, for fun, although I did have a little fun with it, but uh, it, it's, I, I went after her because she's representative of quite a few feminist writers out there who have written articles in the past several years about their their deep concern, their anguish over having given birth to male children, and their uh, you know their fear that their child might grow up to be misogynistic or contribute to rape culture, and it's just it's it's tragic and horrifying the attitude that these women have toward their own children. Uh, well, at least toward their sons. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just, um, it, it leads to all kinds of problems, psychological and cultural problems for boys. And uh, just, if I could just get back a minute ago to something you said, Chuck, about, you know, this woman, if she could find somebody willing to, uh, you know, her. to partner with her, he doesn't mention Anywhere in the article, whether she is married or has, or there's a father in the picture, or uh, any kind of a male role model for this teenage boy. Um, now, that's not to say there isn't one, but the fact that he, there either isn't one or she didn't mention one is very uh, revealing. You know, this boy needs a male role model, um, someone like a father or a, a grandfather or an uncle or a, some trusted adult. Um, that can serve as, as, you know, some kind of a light post, some, some kind of a lighthouse, right. a beacon, you know, uh, to, to pull him away from his mother's bad influence, at least in terms of uh, her, her sexism right. toward her son. Well, you get, you get uh, and, but you don't hear anything about that. 
Well, you get the feeling she reached her mid thirties, um, found out she didn't have, couldn't attract too many people and, and got artificially inseminated. Um, well, some, <laughs> that's not know. unusual well, these days. Yeah. That's not unusual. So I have a yeah. feeling figure there's no father figure in there and she was horrified when the baby came out what do you mean it's male what are you talking about and you know talking about male influence we've got some comments in our chat section barney is saying hey i thought gi joe beat the crap out of ken i guess that wasn't in the movie maybe this boy needs some of <laughs> gi joes and then leo says what happened to making your son watch a season of the rifleman in black and white little sec football you know yeah. <laughs> but you know you're right it's yes Chuck and I talk about this a lot. There is any, and Chuck has talked about, you know, when you watch movies, you know, anymore, it's like the women are strong and powerful and they're the heroes. Oh, yeah. And the men are like, you know, Bert Simpson. They're the bumbling father. I mean, even in cartoons, right? In mm -hmm. Peppa Pig, the father is the idiot that the rest of the family puts up with. Um, and finally. Yeah. Of course, but you're but you're right. There isn't. I mean, even in popular culture, and then you get something like Sound of Freedom, where the man goes and rescues children. We can't do right. That. We can't. We can't do that. And even in popular culture, right. it's hard to find good um, examples. I mean, they're out there, but they just don't do stories about them or movies about them that much. Yes, the impact of popular culture just it cannot be measured. It's just uh, it's such a powerful influence and has been for decades now. And the left knows that very well, which is why the left spent the last half century um, infiltrating the culture, all the different arenas of the culture, you know, education and the news media and Hollywood, because they know that controlling the culture is how you control politics and how you control the way people think and their attitudes about things. Um, and you're right that there are that that positive male role models are getting fewer and farther between in pop culture. Even and maybe especially down into uh, younger, you know, shows aimed at younger audiences like the Peppa Pig. That's one, you know, the, the dads are always kind of bumbling fools. Yes. The moms are the sources of wisdom and morality, yeah. if there is any morality in the show, which that's disappearing fast too in kids' shows. Um, but it's, it's, there are it's, it's the whole cultural push is to empower women and disempower and emasculate men. Um, and this is going to have literally civilizational uh, ramifications. Well, what they're world. doing with the U.S. Army right now, yeah. you know, getting out the quote unquote, yes. US, which means Southern males um, and uh, yes. you know, trying to get transgenders in. Well, that's, you know, you do that for a while and, and see how the next war works out. Um, Exactly. Luckily, we have Ukrainians doing all the fighting and dying. Um, um, and this from Jim. Thank God for the Hollywood writer's strike. <laughs> it's like there may be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it will force people. May, maybe the the writer's strike will force people to dig a little deeper and find some old shows where these uh, these woke caricatures don't exist. Right. Well, you know, and you you make some good points about the, the ramifications for young men. I mean, I remember years and years ago, what was it? Finding Ophelia was it was a book about how and this was somewhat more true, I think, when Ooh, I was going Ophelia. to school. Yeah, when I was going to school and I'm 65, um, you know, that, that Chuck is 25. I have the career. Yeah. Um, Chuck, you distracted me with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out how to respond to that. I will ignore it. <laughs> but, you know, the, the point of those kind of books were that that at the time, sometimes in schools, 
um, young adolescent girls could feel marginalized um, because, you know, they were there. And I think this is particularly true even from my mother, right? You were supposed to go to college and find a man, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so everybody got mm-hmm. concerned about it and they turned things around. But now we are harming and, and I think and, and depressing, you know, billions of, of young men. And nobody is doing anything except for people like you and your column to try to turn that around and try to say to a boy, you know, it's OK. I, here's a good example. When Rev, our son, was Five, four going on five. We had a birthday party here, right? We had a bouncy castle. Now there were boys and girls here, right? Um, we had a bouncy castle mm-hmm. and we had a guy doing magic balloon things, right? All the boys went up to the magic balloon guy and said, can you make weapons? <laughs> right? I mean, that's what they said. Balloon weapons. <laughs> swords right the girls wanted mermaids the boy i mean i know that was, that was just what they said that just he was like can you make weapons and the guy kindly said sure here's your sword right and the boys were happy but i think you know but that's there is that difference and to try to harm these young men and not acknowledge and not recognize and support them as they try to find themselves you know like i said earlier that's hard enough growing up you know this poor kid from this mom yeah. you, you just know he's going to be screwed up right yeah. Well, you don't know. You you don't uh, know. I mean, well, I, I just want to go ahead and say that you know, you said nature versus nurture. I mean, I knew I I grew up with kids who had absolutely wonderful parents and grew up in in affluence and everything else, and were totally screwed up. I mean, totally screwed up and suicidal and everything else. And other people who mm-hmm. I've known in my life have had incredible abuse when they're little kids and all the horror things. And they turned out fine. Uh, so <laughs> no. this woman, for mm-hmm. all her evil intent, may not get her wish that he screwed up. Yeah, the, you know, emasculating our children or emasculating our sons in a way is not the, cre- the way to create the kind of culture that we want and we're looking for. I mean, what you need to do with boys and young men is channel their impulses, channel their natural masculinity toward noble and moral and honorable ends. That's what you do. You don't squelch their masculinity or try to uh, exorcise it out of them like, you know, the exorcist. Um, you, you don't try to to uh, emasculate and feminize them. That's not going to turn them into the men you want them to be. No. Um, you, you've, got to, you've got to teach them to be heroes, teach them to be defenders and protectors, because that's in their nature. Being a protector and defender is actually part of masculine nature. And that's what you want. Right. Um, you know, you, you, you want to emphasize that and channel that toward the good, toward the true, the good, and the beautiful. That's how you raise both your kids, you know, both male and female, is you channel their characters to honor and strive for the true, the good, and the beautiful. But, but you, well, you, you know, do that by working really with their nature, with their nature, not against their nature. You know, one of the things mothers love to do, and 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 attack and uh, talk to their fathers. I want uh, my son to respect and and honor women, and and you got to. There's none of that in this culture. You know, they're not told to honor and respect women. They're told told to bow down before them. Yeah, and their nature is going to yeah. rebel to that. It's going to rebel to that, and they won't have any other model to go to to their natural instincts. Of I think they'll just hit her. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there, there's a whole angry subcurrent of young males um, yes. who kind of hang out on the internet who are fed up with this kind of feminism and this, uh, you know, this this uh, constant attack on their nature. 
and it's causing a backlash in the worst way. You know, it's it's leading those men toward uh, to sort of uh, embrace their anger and their um, anti-feminism, and and so it's uh, it created a whole subcategory of men called MGTOWs, M-G-T-O-W, men yeah. going their own way, which is a, this kind of subculture of men who have basically just decided to give up on relationships and marriage and children and basically only use women to the extent that they need to satisfy their own, uh, you know, physical needs, but basically to, uh, to go their own way, to just live their own lives, live for themselves. And it's a really, you know, this is a terrible aspect of uh, what I call the backlash against feminism. And you want to avoid that too. You know, you want, right. so th- th- this whole feminist attitude is um, causing all kinds of issues with men, which um, are far worse than anything, yeah. anything that feminism, uh, you know, is supposedly fixing. Than the Barbie movie. Well, you know what I mean. Well, you know, okay. thing too. I think is it goes along with the left. Their whole thing is they're trying to. They keep trying to force stuff down our throats that we know to be true. That they say that there isn't. Right. That there's there's not two genders. They try to say there are zero differences between men and women. They try to say men can breastfeed. All this kind of stuff. And I think a part of it is, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. A part of it is to get us used to shutting up about things that we know are not true, but we don't want that the bad. Backlash yeah. against us, and and I think that that this is, I mean, and this attacks the family at its most basic level, really. Yes, well, that you just raised um, a really big issue. <laughs> uh, there's a lot I could say about that. Let me try to run through the thumbnail sketch of it real quickly. One is that this gender ideology, which is I think has now become the tip of the spear of cultural Marxist assault on our um, on our civilization. Feminism, I think, for decades was kind of the tip of the spear, but now it's, it's gone to the next level, it's gender ideology. Um, and the purpose of that, it's a war on biology, it's a war on language. The purpose of all this gender madness is really ultimately to do what Karl Marx himself called for, and that's abolish the family. It's about eradicating the differences between male and female. It's about, uh, you know, uh, uh, deconstructing family relationships. I mean, if there's no male or female, then there can be no mother or father or son or daughter. It's really about deconstructing and eradicating the family unit. And then beyond that, um, this gender craziness is really also a war on truth and reality. And the, the aim of that is to make truth or reality whatever the regime wants it to be. If you control the language and you redefine words in order to uh, eradicate truth with a capital T and reality with a capital R, then you can control the way people think and act, and it leads toward a totalitarian society where people are completely controlled by words and have no agreed-upon understanding of what is true and what is valid and what's real. So... It's a war on the family. It's a war on reality and truth. It's it's about deconstructing everything we know is is true and real and good and beautiful in the world. Well, I saw on on TV Neil deGrasse, who's a black astrophysicist and one of the favorite uh, scientists. Oh yeah, and and he he was saying, you know, fifty years from now. 
they'll say, what is this about separating men and women into different sports? Um, that's so, so stupid. I mean, it's obviously <laughs> they should just all just mix together. And you kind of go, oh, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> you probably never played sports. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, the poor women will get crushed. Yeah, they, they, they may have a few, you know, tough ones, but 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 it's gonna be just a tragedy. I mean, you know, they always talk about Title Nine, yay, which is really a disaster. But um, you know, female sports. Well, that's- then, now they're going, no, let's get rid of those. Which is, you know, everybody play together. Well, okay, that means they'll be playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, these are ideas that the left comes up with that are so inane and idiotic that only intellectuals could come up with them. Um, and I, I hate to say I hate to say that because, you know, at one point I was really into academia and I, I was very excited about the living the life of the mind and all of this. But but it, it became something other than what I thought it was when, when the leftist ideologues took over the universities and schools. Their ideas are, are a complete repudiation of reality in the real world. But as I said before, you know, all they have to do is redefine words, redefine right. language, and then you begin to redefine what is true and what's not. And that's sort of their ultimate aim is to be in control of what everybody thinks, or, you know, what, be in control of what everybody is allowed to believe is the truth. Right. Well, and I think, you know, and to go to kind of as we wrap it up here to go back to this mom and a part of me, I mean, I was, you know, I've had kids and I've sat in, you know, coffee shops with mom groups and at the playground with mom groups. And you just get the sense that this insufferable mother is probably sitting at Starbucks with all of her other friends, patting their backs in Cherry Creek. Creek. Yeah. You know, patting themselves on their backs about how wonderful they are. Um, And, you know, never mind that they're screwing up their sons, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's sort of like a competition. I think that can happen among moms to see who can be the most, you know, woke and things like that. And they're just, it's, it's in a way they're no different than teenage girls trying to impress each other. Right. Um, Without any thought as to what their actions actually might result in, I think. Uh, Yeah. uh, The consequences of, of the leftist utopian ideals are always negative. I mean, the left thinks that they can socially engineer a perfect world where we can eradicate poverty, we can eradicate racism and ignorance, and we can create this perfect world. And of course, those utopian dreams always turn into dystopian nightmares because yeah, when you yeah. try to socially engineer perfection, very quickly you have to resort to coercion because uh, you know you have to make people be perfect. You have to force them. To, you know, uh, you can't simply. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all broken, fallen, sinful beings. You cannot, yeah. uh, you can't simply perfect us through human means. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's one of the big differences between conservatives and progressives. Conservatives realize that. We realize that's what we have to work with. We're imperfect, and we've got to work with that. We should always, of course, strive to better ourselves, but we're never going to be able to create a perfect utopian vision like the left dreams of. Uh, right. So their, their ideas always lead to misery and death for others. Well, yeah, the right. left always says that, that, you know, human beings can be perfected and therefore we better control them so we can and punish them. them. Right. And the right yeah. says beings are imperfect, but we're better off let, letting them live independent and and uh, stable lives. I mean, it's just such a 
interesting view of okay human beings can be per perfect so we better control everything they do to be perfect for them they don't care yeah. i mean you know they're going to be just fine right they don't they don't care about the rest of us they just want to control the rest of us meanwhile they can go with jeffrey exactly. epstein to his island right i mean that's all very cool and you know so hey well listen mark we have to let yes. you go thank all you right, thank you so much it's a great column we got to have you back uh i would look forward to that thanks for having me all right, okay. thank you. Mark Tapson, guys, he's with uh, David Horowitz's Freedom Center. You can read all of his comments. He's got a bunch of them up there at Front Page Magazine. We had like a lot of great comments here. Um, um, you know, oh, this is from Barney. Uh, we watched the Rifleman and Bonanza because they had BB gun, and then we had had BB gun fights, but never, but but you know that never led to thinking about beating up or raping a woman. <laughs> um, the fact that this woman starts out with that premise is sort of is pretty scary. Um, this is Leo. I'm pretty sure there are very few astrophysicists who've ever been who's ever been in a locker room. And then Jacob traveling to Detroit, sitting behind me were a male couple holding their twin sons. The children about two age are crying for mommy. I know what's going to happen to those twin boys later on in life. Mm. Um, and then Leo says, "BB gun fights. We'd all be in foster care now, Barney. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff we did, we would be like my parents would be arrested for. We had. Do you guys ever have those darts? They were like giant darts." that you would like throw up in the air to try to land in a circle. Only of course, as kids, you would throw them up in the air and try to hit each other with them, right? <laughs> Which fortunately, we're all really bad aims. So we're all still alive. But but um, anyway, hey, so th thank you to Mark. That was great. And, yeah. I, and I think he's, you know, it, again, this woman, if you guys read his column on Front Page Magazine. Then read her thing. And, and, the, and, Huffington, and Post. Huffington Post. And you're just like, oh, my God, you know, the, your, worst, your worst nightmare to be trapped next to her. Okay. In, in a, well, you might be. She's right a, down here in Denver. Right, I mean. Although in, a, in an airplane. Right. Then put out your Trump hat. That would like sense. She probably would need to yeah. plane or something like that. Hey, why don't we talk about something else a little bit? Um, so Mike Lindell has is sponsoring today and tomorrow. And you can watch it on Frank TV, franktv.com. You have to give him your email, I think, to sign in. But there, mm -hmm. I don't think that you don't, that doesn't cost anything. Uh, but he sponsored an election summit. Um, you know, Peg Cage is there. Anna Ferguson is there. Yeah. Um, and the, one of the things they were going through was from each state, they had to give their reasons to hope. Um, to have hope. And Ron Hanks, you know, former Senate candidate, great grassroots activist, gave the Colorado presentation. Now, apparently they had 12 minutes to give their presentation and his only took like five. Um, not that much out there. Was like, he, was, he had a, a, a slideshow, you know, PowerPoint presentation, but it was like he typed it really big. <laughs> there wasn't all that much to hope for, but there is that much to hope for. Um, and he kind of outlined it well and I think explained some of it well. So, and we'll talk about that for a little bit if we could please play the ron hanks um soundbite and read it over here uh i want to emphasize the hope i will tell you that in the uh in the state legislature they've got a super majority in the house and uh, the democrats do i'm speaking as a republican but the grassroots for the republican party have elected uh, at least two of the three uh, state officials are grassroots conservatives. And I think that's really gonna be my main point here is as bad as our report card looked, we have grassroots that have woken up just like, and, and they are calling out like Laura Loomer suggested, Republican cowardice of the previous uh, and current elected officials. We had uh, an abomination for 
our uh, state party officials prior to these new people being elected. Uh, there's corruption. There's a lot of money that's been lost. This is turning it around. And finally, grassroots get a chance to realize the money they give to the state party actually is going to go to candidates and not to medical bills and uh, and fraudulent uh, and bonuses. We lost seats, Brennan, in the state house, and they gave themselves forty-five thousand bucks worth of bonuses in December. I mean, that's the worst job anybody's ever done in that position, and they paid themselves bonuses. That is one of the, one of the biggest reasons is is people start to wake up, right? And the grassroots are not only waking up; they're completely seeing through the uh, the establishment politics, right? And, and why the establishment is trying to keep the grassroots down, and they're standing together and they're getting organized, right? And I think that I think is is a very good reason to have hope for Colorado. Um, you know, again, Dick Wadhams had yet another column, you know, but but it's a column that no one reads. I mean, even the Denver Post, we were talking about this. They were talking, they did a story about the Bonniewell Amendment, right? And, and of course, it was a negative story from the Denver Post. Now, there was a time if you had a story in one of the first few pages of the Denver oh, Post, you would ever. have been getting calls from all your friends and stuff. Nobody, right? No, I mean, even put people we would consider to be politically active. Yeah. Because nobody reads the Denver Post. I mean, not that these people are going to be shy. Isn't that what you think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just the, it's sort of like when we, when I lived after we moved out from New York City, New Jersey, there was no paper that covered, then there was a Newark Star Ledger, but it just covered kind of weird Newark politics. And, you know, so in suburban, and there was a Montclair Times, but that just, you know, did the high school football. But you had no information about what was going on. You had no idea there was a mayor. You had no idea who really the governor was. City council was, was, right. council or anything else. And that's what it's like now. I mean, it's just, you can read the Colorado Sun or Colorado Politics or, or the Denver Post, but it's all the same but it's all truncated and, and nobody reads the same ones. It used to be before everybody read the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. Advantage to that, I think, because it shows that they are losing. Yeah, their ability the, to control. The, the, yeah, their ability to control things, right? There was a time when, you know, the Bonnie Mill Amendment would have been smacked down, you know, by the media. And now no one even reads it, the media. Well, it was smacked down by the media, but well, nobody reads it. Exactly. Where that would have had an impact. So that's another reason to hope that would have been complicated. But I think it is. And I think. You know, not only that, but you've got people like um, Mike Lindell. There is uh, are some people with some money starting to help grassroots people get organized. I mean, that becomes the biggest thing. We saw that with the, the Bonnie Mill Amendment fight just here in Colorado with the vote by the state central committee. The other side, the establishment rhinos had time and money. Pay off the college young Republicans, pay off Joy Overbeck, pay off uh, um, Jan, Jan Cook. Jan Cook. To, well, and I mean, so they were able to pay people to fight it. But I think the grassroots organizations, and we've seen this now, we've seen personally, some people come forward. I mean, they haven't, no one's funding us, but <laughs> you guys do. So we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean is so there are people coming forward now and funding the grassroots efforts. And that's why we had that guy on that Jonah Goldberg from a National Review attacking the small donors. Like, we're going to throw small donors are a threat to democracy. So it's like, we can't have small donors actually help paying for they people to fight us. You know, to finance moderation. And these, right. these people are contributing, making him take principal positions. <laughs> you can't have that. That's right. And from Jacob, 
Um, oh, yeah, this is from Leo. I'm starting to think we shouldn't vote for someone unless they've been indicted for something. That's absolutely <laughs> true. And we'll get to that in a second, too, Leo. And from Jacob, we'll see who the silent majority is in 2024. No, you won't. And then Leo says, yes, Julie, you never see a homeless person sleeping on the street with a my pillow. That's right. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's that whole I mean, in Denver, you do see in the media all these homeless stories and the angst over it where we could we all know how to solve it. Quit building them little drug havens and they probably, you know, crap, arrest them. Yeah. You know, for shooting a heroin in the middle of the street, and maybe maybe that would help maybe solve it. But that's go, just go to San Francisco where they allow them. Just that's just me. But I thought it was kind of funny that Ron Hanks. Um, I mean, but there is reason to hope, right? Maybe it's not like some states. Some states took more than, which is also reason to hope, right? Some states took more than their allotted time, and <laughs> and others did not. But but I think it, it, it's you know the power has always lied with us, and I think people are just now starting to realize it. Don't you think? Uh, it's all of a sudden. Well, that does kind of go into the next thing I wanted to talk about, and that's the, the Trump indictments. Yet again, you may be like, wait, it, it almost becomes like, you know, but the first hundred indictments, no, I'm kidding about that. I mean, I read because I thought, well, I should know what they say, even right. though they're stupid. This one, I'm like, it was 90 pages. And I'm like, 98 pages. 98 pages. Okay. I'm like, so you just know it's stupid, so I don't bother. But what it, one of the things that we're seeing, and again, they're not even pretending anymore. It doesn't even, it, you know, they say, well, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. That's not even the truth anymore. Anymore, whether it's a crime or not, depends solely on not what you did, but who you are and what's your political ideology. Well, what's so encouraging about this one, it's just not Donald Trump. They did 18 other Republicans, including people like Mark Meadows, who mm -hmm. really hates Trump these days. And he's trying to move it over to federal court. Uh, but all average, you know, some are like Meadows, you know, but others are just average people and one huge conspiracy, apparently. And, and disputing an election is criminal if Republicans do it, but OK, if Democrats well, do it. And to prove your point, let's live. Remember Stacey Abrams, right, who lost the election but didn't lose the election? I mean, she continues to this day to deny that she lost the election and to question the results. If we could, and this, they, somebody put together a five-minute clip, and I just pulled a portion of it. But if we could please play the Stacey Abrams soundbite. I do have one very firm statement to make. We won, but I didn't lose. I got the votes, but we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Just using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of the door. That's someone outside asking if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Thousands of Georgians had their voices stolen because they were not able to cast ballots. And they cannot be guaranteed that their votes will be counted in 2020 if we don't do this right. If what happens to you happens nationally and we, we see uh, whoever runs for, whoever wins the Democratic nominee, if they say, actually, I can prove that there's a number of votes in every state that, that in the, in the, the same thing that you just described happens in multiple states, should they concede? I do not think we should concede an election until we know the results of an election. I still fundamentally believe it could be fair. And that's what I'm saying. 
that's just not how life works. If it looks like it's cheating, it probably is. <laughs> there we go. Well, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the key to it all is, you know, the, it explained, the prosecutor would explain that that's okay because she believed it. Um, but uh, Donald Trump did not believe it. Um, now, anybody knows like, that. Well, it's, it's because she's decided oh. and therefore it's a conspiracy. Um, among all these people, I mean, a 19-person conspiracy. Well, and if somebody points out, Mark Meadows simply asked for a phone number, right? Yep. See, and here's what's going on there, guys. What they're doing is, and that's why, I, I mean, I think that other indictments will have way more people, too, going down to, as we saw, the maintenance guy at Mar-a-Lago, yep. right? Yep. Um, because, again, it's as Trump says, they're not really after him, they're after us. And this is part of them trying to, because we're, you know, we're not shutting up. The grassroots are taking control, and we're asking questions we're not supposed to ask questions and we're not wearing our masks anymore and we're not getting vaccinated um for covid anymore and we don't even believe there's such a thing as long covid um and you know we're not following well, I, the- I, I don't know there may be well what i well like i've read a thing said you know it's a uh, well never mind it, yeah. yeah it's you know if, if i were working i'd say i had long covid so anytime it was a nice day i'm like oh i have long covid again i, <laughs> I can't i can't go just flares up constantly but at any rate i mean we're not we're not following their rules um and so they turned the law literally into a weapon i cracked up this morning i was reading that the headline in the hill was trump is going to weaponize the indictment against him i'm like trump is going to weaponize so so they weaponize the legal system and now trump's going to weaponize their weaponization and that's bad i mean that's how ridiculous they are um but they're going to start going after all kinds of people right you know i mean and until republicans start doing it they'll continue um and i I think dershowitz said well we can indict jack smith the prosecutor um for violation of the kkk act um well somebody ought to do it you know somebody ought to do it and somebody you know you just can't always be passive and of course some people are in on the on right i was gonna say here's the reason the real reason governor jack kemp the Secretary Rosenberger, I mean, they're just all really pretended to be Republicans and got elected, and they're just as evil as the Democrats. Well, and, and anyone at this point who, you know, who's saying, oh, well, you know, the indictments are fair. I mean, number one, or you know, there was no, the, the election was totally fair. We have the gold standard election in Colorado. It's just, right. it's just, they're just a liar, right? I mean, and they know they're a liar. Um, but what the part, the problem is the reason they're doing it and the reason the Democrat or the Republican district attorneys and attorney generals are not filing charges, I think, is because many of them are part of the uniparty, right? We got, it's not really Republicans and Democrats anymore. It's grassroots versus Democrats and establishment rhinos, right? Because the, the Democrats and the establishment rhinos are ultimately on the same side, right. um, essentially united against us, right? right? The enemy of my enemy middle is my friend, class. right? Middle-class Americans. Um, and they and if they have to throw us in jail, they'll let the Democrats throw us in jail and then they'll turn around and say, well, they must have done something wrong right. or we'll let the system play out, That's right? Good. I believe in the system. Right. And then the more you the, the more they do this, and this is what kind of worries me because because well, it worries me a lot, actually, because they're not they're not even trying to hide it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they posted the indictment before the grand jury met. Right. So I, and and the, 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 the clerk who looks like Stacey Abrams, 
I said, ah, you know, I'm human. I just hit the wrong button. Well, <laughs> what, five hours? Yeah, no so problem. This is a 98-page indictment. I mean, you couldn't even read it. Well, you could, I guess. But, I mean, it's a 90-page well, indictment with 19 people, and they presented their entire case in five hours. Is that – that's right, right? They did it yes. all in – yeah. Now, that's even – that's impossible, right? Yeah, so it's- where there's well, a will, there's a way. If it's not fair. So they're not even pretending to be fair. They indict, like you said, Mark Meadows, literally, apparently the total totality of his alleged crime was asking for a couple of phone numbers of some other congressional representatives, right? So, uh, you know, and that so that's a conspiracy. So they're not even pretending. And I worry that the reason they're not pretending is that they know they believe they've got the system to a point where voters actually don't matter right. anymore, the where- where that that the, 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 the ballot the ballot collection yeah. matters more than the ballot casting right, right? and and i worry that they feel like they have that so mastered and they have that so in the bag right now probably do that you know they can do whatever they want and so you know back to to kind of wrap it up or not wrap it up but tie it back to mike lindell's election summit that's great and we need to do that um but I kind of, you know, you look at the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, I don't think is launching, you know, a thousand mules or maybe not illegally, but you know what I mean? It's like what, the Republicans are not doing near enough. I don't think on that no, front. No, they're not. Um, it costs hundreds of millions and uh, just, just too little, too late, like they always do. Um, well, and again, because many of them still benefit, right? Um Oh, Leo says he's going to sell T-shirts with Trump's face on a ham sandwich. Um, and then Jim Jackson, if we had a truly representative government, the Republicans in Congress would shut it all down until these third world persecution stuff. Exactly. They, and then uh, Leo says, good point. Um, and then McCarthy can defund the rogue agencies, says Charlene. Yeah. And then he doesn't. And so you have to say, why doesn't he? And then you watch Ken Buck kind of go back and forth. You know, I don't know if he just puts his finger in the wind and sees. But earlier he was saying. I, I just think he has electrical impulses. That, uh, <laughs> just kind of, and he says one kind, one day he says a right now thing. Voting gold standard. <laughs> but when he said, you know what, he didn't see how he could support somebody for president who'd been indicted. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, not today or yesterday, he's talking about the indictments being a sham. It's like, oh, okay. well, that. That should bear something with it, right? If it's a completely political persecution, you know, you you wouldn't say, you know, some of that, like, you, you know, Nelson Mandela. Well, he must have done something wrong, yeah, okay. or they wouldn't be persecuting him, right? Um, um, you know, and the left is worried, but not that worried. I think they want Trump to be the nominee, um, but I don't think they even really care that much, right? I mean, I don't think they care. I know you read things about Joe Biden isn't going to be the nominee. I bet he is. Well, it doesn't matter. Be, you know, that German Shepherd. Maybe well, get, no, him. it bites too many Secret Service guys. Well, it doesn't matter. It's keeping down the basement like Joe. Right, and, right. But I think, though, again, for reason to hope, there are states that are waking up. I mean, and even in Colorado, the uh, Tom Fitton organization, Judicial Watch, has filed suits against the Colorado Secretary of State. I think a big issue um, and a big solution is really not all that complicated, and that is cleaning out the voter rolls. Well, and you can do that by matching addresses. I mean, it's not easy, but I mean, it's not. not it's not going to well, it's happening in some states. Well, I mean, some of the states that, have gotten that, rid of the ERIC system and things like that. Well, yeah. Well, Judicial Watch, I think we've had, wasn't yeah. it, loves the ERIC system, which I always found Jay Christian Adams. Yeah, Jay Christian Adams loved the, the ERIC system. Um, I think he loved the ERIC. Well, I don't I know. Think he likes the idea of it. Um, but I, well, he liked Because they've sued over it. But at any rate. But, and they get, and they get. Their attorneys fees, and the the Eric system is a Soros originally Soros funded 
data collection system that basically collects all of the information for voters for the Secretary of State's office. So if you think Jenna Griswold and the separate color of Secretary of State's office is the one that's kind of processing the, the you know, voter registrations, that's kind of cleaning them out, that's saying, well, this person is dead. This person doesn't even live in Colorado anymore. This person is registered under five different, you know, names. It's the same person. You know, we've got ballots going to a teeny apartment and 400 ballots going, or all of these ballots are going to a homeless shelter. That doesn't seem right. Um, They're not, right? All of that's being controlled by this Eric system, which is a Democrat thing um and they're not cleaning any well, of them out eric was really set up to to make sure that people weren't voting in different jurisdictions so joe blow couldn't be uh vote in colorado because he went to see you and also in new jersey and, and all that but it became just another thing they could weaponize and turn to their own purposes I right mean, right that's like donald trump was going to weaponize the weaponized indictment against him what a joke donald trump is going to weaponize the the indictment it's like yeah i hope so i think it's time republicans started weaponizing stuff ourselves hello well it's it's hilarious to read the the sometimes called the mainstream media i mean any subject iran ukraine um richmond from richmond i mean it doesn't matter i mean it and it's all Clearly false. I mean, it's it's clearly yeah. false. It's not even close. It's not an opinion. It's just bullshit. I mean, it's just <laughs> endless bullshit. And they're happy to. Right. You know, I mean, the Ukraine war is going great. Just, you know, Ukrainians are dying at enormous rates, which is wonderful for everybody. And, and who knows? For the well, And this from Jacob. And Jacob, I did read that article. In the article I sent you, there was a paragraph that explained how the voting machines were connected through the Internet. Well, and I even think the CISA, the government agencies, ex, you know, determined all of that, too. And I mean, that's just a joke, right? When they say, oh, no, they can't hack into these. You're like, you know, there's there's a 12 year old sitting in a basement somewhere who can hack into anything. It's like to try to tell people, you know, you read constantly about all these secure systems that are getting hacked into and they have all your information. And you're like, what, the, the sec- you know, the Colorado Secretary? of state you know people hack into the dmv all the time so i mean people but you know they don't want us asking any questions which i mean you got to wonder i don't know if you guys heard apple and itunes pulled all of glenn beck's podcasts down today it's like so it's gearing up you know they're gearing up for 2024 and later one of these days i'm gonna have time i'm gonna explain the new thing we need to watch out for the new covid so to speak it's going to be climate emergency i keep reading these articles and i'm not even seeking them out i'm just they're coming up coming upon them and the mainstream so to speak media about how we're not paying enough attention to how much extreme heat is killing people it is a it's the Main cause of death in California. Did, did you listen to Jeff Podesta? They brought him in um, today to describe how the fires in Maui were caused by climate change. You go, really? Right. Huh. Not, yeah. Okay, Jeff. We'll there you go. And they're yeah. going to start pretty soon. They're going to start cracking down on anybody who challenges anything like that. There's going to be a climate. I'm serious here. There's going to be a climate emergency, and we all have to stay inside. Even in the winter, because of the extreme the heat. heat. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And to top it off, there are going to be a ton of non-governmental organizations getting, getting our tax dollar money to they help, help. To help those programs. Yeah, so, yeah. hey, that's yeah. going to wrap it up for us today. Our thanks to Mark Tap, uh, Tapson. And yeah, he was the, great. He was just great. All of you guys on Zoom, we love your comments. Um, and on Friday, um, speaking of rhinos, um, 
Todd Watkins um, was at a grassroots guy, was at a meeting. Yeah, um, glad you cleared that. Talking about rhinos. Well yeah, done. yeah, that's right. I meant it was Barb Kirkmeyer, uh, I was going to say. Is she was at a meeting where she was explaining that the reason she was opposed to opting out of the open primary is because if we do that, she knows she'll never win. It's like, well, that's a good reason, I guess, if you're her. But yeah. we're going to have her and we're going to try to get Peg Cage and Anna um, Ferguson, who uh, were at the. Is a man. Todd Watkins is the man. And then I said, we're going to. Well, never mind. Okay. Um, we're going to try to get um, Peg Cage and Anna Ferguson on there at the Mike Lindell Summit. Yeah, to, that'll to, be great. Good to hear from them too. So that'll do it for us. That's for Thank you, everybody. Friday. We appreciate you. We'll see you. We'll see you Friday.